Hello, everybody. On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we dive headfirst into the teen angst how-to guide that is the perks of being a wallflower. And we ask the question, did Hollywood give pedophiles and rapists a break with this adaptation? And also, do we hate Emma Watson? In this role, I would say yes. Always yes. Content warning for this episode, we will be talking about subjects such as rape, child molestation, abortion, domestic abuse, and lots and lots and lots of teen drug use. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, where we break down book-to-screen adaptations, one drunken podcast at a time. I'm Mel B, here with Jackie D. Please don't forget to like, follow, leave a review, share, maybe give us five stars. It helps. It helps us. We're trying to build up this podcast. You know, do whatever your heart desires. Uh, It is Jackie's birthday month. So all of our our lineup for April is her choosing, and we are going to start off with a story that's set in her hometown, Pittsburgh, and we apparently have a lot to say about this, so why don't we just jump right in. Let's start, of course, with what we are drinking. I decided to go with a high school, I call it the teen angst. It is cheap red <laughs> wine and Smirnoff ice. I did a sweet red blend by Barefoot, mixed it with a Smirnoff Ice raspberry, and it is exactly what you would expect teenagers to taste like. Sweet and miserable. I don't know if it's high school or more college, but I think Boone's Farm might have been a better option. Mm. But I don't, I don't know of any self-respecting adult who can take themselves <clears throat> that low. No, no, I couldn't. Smirnoff Ice is about as rock bottom as I'm going to get for this podcast. So we shall see. (laughs) Jackie, what are you drinking? At least you didn't say Zima. (laughs) But Zima's non-alcoholic, isn't it? No, it has alcohol. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Obviously not a lot. No. (laughs) thought it was like soda. I am drinking bourbon. It's a Basil Hayden bourbon. And it is bottled by the James B. Beam Distillery. Uh, it's basil, actually pretty like good. it has basil? No, there's no basil in it. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. Continue. Uh, number of reasons. It's all I have. It's a drawback of having just gotten back from a trip late last night and uh, packing up the house. Yeah, because Daddy's moving. She's yeah. a bitch. I'm sorry. Uh, plus, I do think that it is one of those things, bourbon is one of those things that high schoolers, when their parents go out of town, especially after you watch the movie and you read the book, these are kids, a lot of them, not necessarily Charlie, but a lot of them, are their parents are well-to-do, so they have a well-stocked liquor cabinet. And bourbon is one of those things that I feel that teenagers are going to go to to drink and then water down. Uh, to make themselves seem more mature than they actually are. Like this Did is something drink that, a bunch of brandy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what teenager drinks brandy? It's and the disgusting. way, yeah, the way they talk about it and the way you see it in the movie, they're drinking it because they see their parents drink it. And while they say they hate their parents, they actually want to be their parents. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about in this episode because we have, a, well, I have a lot to say. 
all of the episodes that we're doing this month for Jackie, I actually have never watched the movie and or read the book except for Bridget Jones' Diary at the end. I, I believe I did watch that movie a long, long time ago. I don't remember anything. So this is all first. I'm a virgin for all of this. So I'm taking it all in with Graham's Hall. And I have a lot to say about it. All right. Uh, drinking game that we found. Film Drunkies. And it's filmdrunkies.tumblr.com. So it's a Tumblr one. Pick this one because there's this really funny. I'm going to go through the rules. There's a lot of rules. <laughs> I did not try this. I just gauged it. And this one's going to get, because there's a lot of shots too. There's a lot of shots and a lot of chugging your drink. All right. First one, drink whenever someone says Charlie. Second, drink whenever shit gets real. Kind of subjective. That happens a lot. It does. It does. Then drink whenever someone is drinking or doing drugs. That's the whole time. If you include the adults. Drink every time Anne Veal is on screen. This is why I love this one. Anne Veal is the actress who plays Mary Elizabeth. And she has such a bigger role in the movie than she does the book. Not to mm. say she's not important in the book, but in the movie, she's just there the whole time. And you're like, is she, is she supposed to do more? Who is this? So I like this one. It's like, drink every time Anne Veal is on screen. Like her question mark. What is she funny or something? I'm going to go with No. Then drink anytime someone is in class. It's set in high school. What do you expect? Then take a shot for Joan Cusack because you remember how amazing she was in Adam's family. So random. Yeah, like, that is random because I remember her from so many other things. I love Joan Yeah, they're Cusack. like, no, 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 Adam's family. Yeah. yeah. Joan Cusack is really lover. Then drink when you ask, who the fuck is Kate Walsh and what is she doing here? I also... <laughs> Also, this would literally be every single time she's on Facebook. So I'm like, when I first saw her, I go, wait, is that Kate Walsh? Why? We're going to get into that. Drink whenever someone is driving. They they do love that because what else are you going to do in the suburbs? Drink whenever Patrick is gay all the time. Yeah, he's gay. From the, the first time. Yeah. yeah. And he's apparently gay. Like, clearly gay. Drink whenever there's evidence of the 90s. It's, it is the movie. I don't know yeah. what you want from us. Drink whenever they say Sam. Drink whenever someone says either Brad or Patrick. Then chug your drink for as long as they are in the tunnel. And there are several tunnel scenes, especially if you consider the opening credits. We used to play the whole hold, hold your breath the entire time you're in the tunnel in Pittsburgh. Oh. That's a long tunnel. Yeah. We were not drinking, sure. though. I guess you should make sure you have a full drink then when you start that. Drink whenever a school bell rings. Again, they're in high school. Drink whenever there's a flashback. And then take a shot for the big reveal. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, maybe don't listen to this episode because we're going to tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into who read and who watched first. I watched first. Jackie read first. So why don't you tell everyone how you read that? Like we don't already so, know. Yeah. Kindle, it was actually the 20th anniversary edition, November 2019. It was published uh, MTV Books because the book was originally published in 1999. And just to give everybody an idea of how old I am, that was the year I graduated high school. So, Hey, Jackie, don't tell people that. I have no problems with it. Neither do I. Continue. <laughs> I watched the movie on Amazon Video. I watched the movie first. 
like, like always, I bought it on Apple because I can't be bothered to find where I can get it for free. I'm sure it's free somewhere. I just value my time more, so I bought it. Then I read the book. I, again, you know me, I love a good paperback or hardback. I ordered it. It is, I believe it's the same book that Jackie read. It is the 20th anniversary, the one with the movie cover, which I hate. I hate movie covers on books. And it's got the stupid fake sticker, too, for the 20th anniversary. It's just all around um, not a pleasant book to look at, but it's cute. And also it's tiny. So when I put it on my shelf, it just it looks like a Reader's Digest. I don't know. But it's dwarfed by Akatar and everything. Yeah, yeah. But it's a short, easy read, so I don't give it a lot of credit. It is, uh, what does it say? August 14, 2012, this book was published. And again, an MTV book. So it's the same one that Jackie read. I just read the physical copy of it. 213 pages, which is nice because Jackie and I are not used to books like that. Our books mm-hmm. have like 800 to 1,000 pages because apparently we hate ourselves. Not too much, though, because... Some of those books are very, very enjoyable. They are. Oh, my God. They're so good. And we just blow through them. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about what this book, this story is. So if you look at the summary of this book, it says, The Perks of Being a Wallflower is a story about what it's like to travel that strange course through the uncharted territory of high school, the world of first dates, family dramas, and new friends, of sex, drugs, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show, of those wild and poignant Roller coaster days known as growing up. Do you notice how nowhere in there it talks about romance? I don't consider yep. first dates a romance. Cool. No. Are we all together then? No romance. Now let's talk about the movie. It is categorized as a dramatic romance. So if anyone out there is unsure about what in the media world it means to be categorized as a romance, for it to, for a book or a movie to have that category labeled to it as a romance, it needs to have an overarching theme of love and or romance, and it has to have a happy ending. This definitely does not have that typical classic example of a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to get into that. So right off the bat, if you look at what this movie is categorized, we're so off the, the beaten path with what this book was, what this story is. So it's a dramatic romance. It's rated PG-13 on appeal for mature thematic material, drug and alcohol use, sexual content, including references, and a fight. A fight. All involved. A fight. All involving teens. It was released 12 October 2012, put out by Summit Entertainment. The estimated budget for it was about $13 million. Its worldwide gross, though, was only $33 million. So this movie did not do well. And for sort of like an indie-ish type movie, um, $13 million is like, that's a big budget mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, so $33 million did not worldwide, did not do well. And it was written and directed by Stephen Chomsky, who is the author of the book. So when we start talking about the departures that the movie has from the book, we have to ask, like, what the hell, Steve? What Mm -hmm. the hell? And this was during that time frame when everybody wanted to record in Pittsburgh. It was cheap to record there. So, like, you had uh, the Christian Bale Batman movies. Parts of Mm -hmm. those were filmed in Pittsburgh. Mothman prophecies. Like, all kinds of other things. And one of my favorite ones, Dogma. Oh, Dogma. Oh, and Mothman, yeah. Mothman, that movie freaked me out. Oh, and... uh, one of the ones that we've contemplated was Silence of the Lambs. Yes. 
-hmm. And now after what Jackie did to me this month, um, you better believe when it's spooky season, Jackie's going to be fucked up. (laughs) And who are we dedicating our F-bombs to today? I don't think we decided on that. Um, No, we didn't. Mm. I can do just a general category. Why don't we dedicate them to Maggie? Yeah, yeah, we can. I think she deserves it. Maggie, these are all for you. We love you. Okay, and on that note, let's talk about the reviews, our favorite part. Jackie, you read first. I will hand the honors over to you. Okay, normally we do the reviews from Goodreads, but whenever I tried to get onto Goodreads, it was telling me that the servers were overloaded and to try again later, so Goodreads was... Yeah, was not an option for me, so I had to go to Amazon. I was telling Mel before we started recording that Amazon reviews seem to be a little bit more by the book, uh, not as chock full of entertainment value as Goodreads reviews. Also on a So, yes. Considering that um, Amazon owns Goodreads and the reviews should be the same on each. But anyway. Yeah, but just slight differences. Like Mel put a screenshot of the total reviews on Goodreads, there were almost one and a half million ratings uh, coming to a total of 4.22 average out of five stars for the reviews. So it's generally well received. Uh, With Amazon, it was only 20,507 reviews. So Mm. huge difference there. Uh, 81% of those reviews were 5 out of 5, 12% were 4 out of 5, 4% were 3 out of 5, 1% was 2 out of 5, and 2% was 1 out of 5. So more people hated this book than just more than moderately disliked it. <laughs> yep. I think it is like either you love it or you hate it type book. There oh, is no real definitely. And it's definitely going to depend on your background, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's what fed into a lot of either the extremely negative or extremely positive reviews. So the one that I found first, it was a one out of five, uh, says, my 13-year-old bought this supposed, quote, coming of age, end quote, book on Amazon. When it arrived, I noticed it was lauded by the New York Times and was from MTV. So I guess those were two strikes that this Not the MTV. Yeah. Given the usual type of stuff that comes out of these two, I thought I better have a look in it first. Topics include sex, homosexuality, abortion, perversions involving food, perversions involving animals, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and more. Wait, what? Yeah. uh, That's what I found by casually leafing through a few pages. Who knows what What else is in there? I don't know. If you are associating, quote, coming of age, end quote, with some Judy Bloom book you read back in eighth grade, think again. Nobody under 18 should be reading this. That's, this, well, that's totally off the wall because it's about people that are not 18. This is a person. It's views like that that create the shit in this book. This is the type of person I think makes a lot of assumptions based on they say right off the bat the fact that it was from MTV and it was a review or logged by the New York Times. So they were predisposed and what a to bunch dislike of this. Yeah, I know. That homosexuality is one of the reasons you shouldn't read this. Yeah. This isn't like a homosex like a, a homosexuality erotica. Yeah. This is it, it's about real people yeah. or you know it's it's Oh, my God. But I really want to understand what this animal thing is. Perversions involving animals, apparently. I mean, if anyone's going to pick out stuff like that, it'll be Jackie and me. Because we have 
animal stuff is not in our wheelhouse. That is not something we enjoy. We're not going to include that in our stuff. And if it is, we're going to make a big fucking deal about it. So the fact that we're sitting here going, what? (laughs) It's not just in another state from our wheelhouse. It is across a freaking ocean on an entirely different continent from our wheelhouse. Like, ridiculous. I don't understand what the animal thing is. I don't either. This is going to bother me. And I have tabs specifically for... Oh, you know what it was? When Charlie and Patrick are telling stories back and forth, they're trading stories, and uh, it's after Patrick and stuff. Oh, they're There's drunk the one girl. The dog, but this... They tell the story about the one girl, yeah. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's just like, it's supposed to be like urban legends. It's not yeah. actual. So it's just, yeah, okay, all yeah. right. It is literally like half a sentence. Get over yourself. Anyway. Whatever. Uh, the five out of five I found says, I don't even know where to begin with this book. It period is period the period best period. <laughs> I had already read it prior to buying the hard copy and I have now read it three times. Maybe I'm just biased towards it, but it's just so well written and I would do anything for Charlie. You should really read it. And then in all caps of the friendship, the love, the connections. And then switching back to all lowercase, I'm just emotionally attached to Stephen Chbosky. P.S. The movie adaptation is amazing, too, if you're not a book person, which you should be, by the way. I would disagree with that last line. Mm. Uh, We will get to our read, watch, or DNF at the end of the episode. Is that how you say his name, Chbosky? I'm guessing so. All right, I'm going to go with that. Okay. Somebody, you know what, don't correct us. We actually don't give a fuck. (laughs) But I, I put another line in our outline said all, almost all of the five out of five ratings I found essentially said the same thing. Great for teenagers who are, who are having difficulty in school, fitting in, etc. Bought this book as a gift several times. Beautifully written, blah, blah, blah. So on and so forth. And almost. I love how it is blah, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> and then almost all of the one out of five I found said it's disgusting. Yeah, it's not disgusting. I mean, there's stuff in there that is off-putting but it's whatever whatever i will say this as far as the portrayal in the book of what it's like to be a teenager in pittsburgh at that time i can say from personal experience it is not far off no any suburb any suburb outside of a big city is going to be like that i mean i went to high school in long island yeah it's it's not far off at all because you have the suburb there where you're going to be in a little bit better to do situation, middle class, upper class. And then you have easy access to the city. Yeah. And it only took us 15 years. minutes from where I live to get to downtown and all of the neighborhoods that they're talking about, it would only take another five or 10 minutes to get to those. And that's where everything was. And FYI, I did regularly go to the Rocky horror picture show when I was in high school. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have tons of stories that I could give granted my mother is not listening to this, but I think she is. So I'm going to keep those stories to myself. But as a teenager, especially if you could drive, it's you're literally right next to the city. Like, what else are you going to do? Of course you're going to go there. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows, so you think. Nobody knows that you're there. And you're just doing bullshit. I had friends in high school that went in there and, like, snuck out on a school night and had, like, the only reason their parents found out was because they had fucking alcohol poisoning at a concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no way to hide that. Yeah, so it's it's real. It's real. And I don't think people should should put off 
that type of that situation and say, oh, this is why you don't want to live near a city because Jackie also has family through marriage that lives out in the middle of nowhere in the country. And the same shit where teenagers are fucking bored and they're getting into stuff. It's just down there. They don't have a city to get into. So it's a different type of trouble, right? They go out to the woods on their four wheelers. Yeah. And you're going to have things where maybe the suburbs outside of a big city have higher instances of drug and alcohol use. But then when you're in the middle of nowhere, you tend to have a higher teen pregnancy rate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Anyway, not, I'm, let me put my soapbox away. <laughs> All right, I watched the movie first. I, I can generally say that when I was first watching it, um, I really didn't have any like super issues with it. So I, I found the reviews that I, I connected with a little bit. I thought were funny. I did a 10 out of 10, a five out of 10 and a couple one out of 10s because they were the one out of 10s are always just chef's kiss. All right. 10 out of 10. Also, can you stop writing the fucking dissertations for reviews? <laughs> this movie generally does not need it. No. Does not need it. The book is literally 200 pages. The movie is an hour and a half. Stop. I don't want to spend more time reading your goddamn reviews than it does to read the book and watch the movie together. So stop. Anyway, again, putting soapbox away. 10 out of 10. Way more than it seems. I watched this movie just because I was bored and seemed to be a 2012 hit one. I guess one hit wonder. I don't know or hit one. It turned out to be probably my favorite teen movie in the whole world because of its magic vibes and something I would describe as hell. This could actually happen or happens, which is it we does. just, we were Jackie and I were both on the same soapbox together, holding on to each other. So it wouldn't fall off saying the same thing. It's nice to see a coming of age movie that it's realistic with character whose personalities are human and normal with mistakes as well as win points. Yeah, I, that's like any person, like that's any human story. Yes, absolutely. I certainly need this movie about three years ago. What a shame I are, am already in college and didn't have the chance to know Charlie, Sam, and Patrick earlier when I needed it the most. Just for what it's worth, this could be the best simple and magic teen movie even in 2020. I, I'm not going to disagree with that because it is such a, like a, a raw story that I think needs to be told regularly for Jackie and I are mothers of teenagers. So I relate to that in the sense where yes, it teenagers should have an outlet. It's something to show them that these feelings are normal and these mistakes are normal and nothing to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely, absolutely five out of 10. Disappointing coming from the book. I had high expectations. The book is probably one of the best I've ever read. The reviews and ratings are great. Some scenes I've seen in movie montages are great, but this movie wasn't it. They casted badly. Absolutely agree. <laughs> missed, our, missed out parts of the book, and it didn't feel authentic like the book did. Also agree. There were some scenes of redemption, passing out at the end, final tunnel scene, and some other small scenes. Fair. But I didn't feel like this was the book. If you're not coming from the book, it might be great. But for me, they really didn't make the perks of being a wallflower. I would agree with that wholeheartedly mm -hmm. because I did see the movie years ago. And I loved the movie. I thought it was great. But then 
for this, I went back and read the book first. Once I got into the movie, I was just like, no, no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. And stay tuned for next week's episode because I'm going to fucking rip Jackie a new one because we read to, Mansfield Park because she to, loves that movie. I'll try to hold the tears in. Yeah. And she made me read the, the book first. You know what? We'll get there next week. Mm-mm. Anyway, here's one of the one out of tens. Title. Horrible. Emma Watson, horrible actress, ruins the whole movie. Would have been a lot better without her. Ugly, untalented, worthless actress. I hope she does not appear in any further movie. Okay, first half of this review, I could get behind. Second half, the whole, like, ugly thing, like, let's not. Let's not do that. Uh, Untalented, worthless actress. I'm not going to agree with that. I think she is talented. We have examples of that. But I am starting to lean more towards the, if she is not playing Hermione, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) And I don't even really like the Harry Potter movies. So that's saying a lot. Another one out of 10, just a teenage flick, nothing else. If you like the kinds of baseless teenage romanticism and no clue related depression and college life stuff, or maybe Twilight, watch it. (laughs) So they're comparing this to Twilight, which is, I mean, fine. It's teenage bullshit, which one of the things that stands out in here where it says baseless teen, teenage romanticism, that I think is where you start to lose people in this movie from what this story actually is. So that's why I picked that one. Last one, one out of 10. I love the title. Perks of ruining your own classic novella. <laughs> Actor playing Charlie was way too good looking. I always pictured a young Elliot Smith. I read that the director writer, Stephen Chabosky, or Chabosky, caved into pressure from the lead actor who was originally cast for another character in the book. And they put in here, this is just their assessment, saying probably the jock who looked like a total wimp next to this lofty, strapping young man. Oh, goodness. Jesus Christ. Because as for the rest of the kids, they were an iPhone away from being typical millennials rather than early 90s misfit <laughs> drama kids. I understand that the book was originally written for a young audience at the time who could relate. And it makes sense that the movie would be targeted at today's youth. It, it is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I don't think it wasn't. So, okay. But the whole thing just feels phony and forced especially when they get faux excited about discovering a band like the, I don't know how to pronounce that. Do you know what that band is? No. Cocktoo Twins? I guess. Two Twins? Whatever. This person is clearly a hipster. All the while living in a world where they had never heard of David Bowie's heroes. If you like the book, stay far away from this adaptation. That okay, was one I thing put- that I had an issue with in yes! the movie. It was just like, what yes! is this song? This song is so amazing. I'm like, it's David Bowie Heroes. How could you not know that? Because this takes yeah. place in what, 92, 93, mm-hmm. something like that? That song came out in 1977. Yeah. yeah, and it's David Bowie. One thing I would say about Pittsburgh, one of the most popular radio stations in Pittsburgh is WDVE 102.5, and it is nothing but classic rock. Everybody listens to it. Yeah. And also, it's David Bowie. Yeah. It's David Bowie. The king. If you are listening to this right now and you do not know who David Bowie is, one, Google. And two, maybe this maybe this is not the podcast for you. Not that we're talking about David Bowie all the time. It's just we're in different worlds if you don't know who David Bowie yeah. is. 
Yeah, that was immediately when she's like, what is this? Who is this? And then they spend the whole fucking movie trying to figure out what it is. Like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. No. <sighs> Kids. Okay, on that note, let's talk about the characters. Jackie read first, so Jackie's going to give us who she thinks the major characters of the book are. Obviously, Charlie, because the whole thing is from his viewpoint. He is writing letters to this dear friend, love always, Charlie. Uh, There were other pretty significant characters, but I think everybody else in the book is just there to kind of play along in different events or situations in which Charlie finds himself. Bill, the teacher, plays a much bigger role in the book than he does in the movie because he's the one to actually identify that Charlie is special. Like, he, I think, can't really remember, but I think almost hints at if doesn't come out and say it, like, dead on, that, you know, maybe on the spectrum a little bit, you're incredibly gifted, and I've never met anybody like you, stuff like that. Uh, I have a feeling that they kind of downplayed that relationship for the movie because the whole student to teacher relationship was Mm -hmm. kind of a little creepy. And I'm not going to lie in the book because it's been so ingrained in us from the media that teachers and students are not supposed to interact like that. I honestly did expect it to delve into that dark side a little bit. Yeah, because he was like inviting him over for lunch. It was weird. He's like, here, just call me. Like, no. No. Yeah, but I mean, obviously you had Sam and Patrick and and stuff like that. They kind of helped him come out of his shell. Uh, His sister, I felt, played a little bit of a bigger role in the book than she did in the movie. The parents, not so much. I think they kind of got that right in the movie, but I mean, we'll get into casting a little bit later on. So I have some issues with that. Yeah, I think the level of involvement of the parents from the book to the movie is probably you know, give or take pretty accurate. Uh, but I, yeah, when we get into casting mm-hmm. for the movie, I'm going to go with Charlie, Sam, Patrick. And this was a toss up for me. I really didn't want to put her, but Mary Elizabeth, just cause she's fucking on screen all the time that you just expect her to be more. And I put bill and I put bill because he's played by Paul Rudd. So I don't think you cast somebody like that. If you don't, want him to feel like he's a bigger part of the movie. But I I would agree with Jackie where I think he is more prevalent in the book than he is the movie. Not to say like he's present more in the book because he is there like quite a lot in the movie. It's just that the interactions aren't as profound. And in Charlie's letters in the book, you also have a lot more of him writing about his interactions with Bill. So it's not like you see direct dialogue between the two of them. It's just mm-hmm. Charlie's interactions with them and how they kind of impacted him in any particular situation. Yeah. And I don't put anyone else from the movie only because there's a lot of characters. It's just, if we're saying major characters, that means if you were to take them out, would it change the story? And I think a lot of, almost all the other characters I didn't list in the movie, you could take them out and put somebody else all right, and on that note, let's talk about this casting then. So I listed these characters. There's Charlie, Sam, Patrick, Mr. Anderson, who is Bill, dad, mom, sister, and brother. Charlie is played by Logan Lerman. This is what that review said that he, apparently this is the actor that convinced 
the author and director to make him Charlie and not the jock. So I will say that I agree with that review because when I first saw him in the movie, I was like, oh, that's the guy from this and that. Wasn't he in like 13 Reasons Why too? A um, uh, different one, I, I think. Uh, he was in Fury. He played the new one. Oh, Fury. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was also Percy Jackson. Yes, that's right. That's what it was. I just remember looking at him and going, I don't really think you're like a wimpy, awkward kid, but, you know, I'll go with it. So I, I think that he's a decent fit because he's, he looks like your typical high school kid. And then it's just a matter of how the acting's going to be. So in terms of looks, I didn't give him either, or I don't think he really looks like what's described in the book because you definitely get a feel for that. He's very, very small, timid, very awkward. And Logan Lerman doesn't give off those vibes to me. He can definitely play a lot younger than I think he is, but I, I mean, I thought he was fine in this, but yeah, I mean, we uh, we both agree um, in our outline that he just definitely did not play as awkward as he was in the book. Yeah. But I also think that the movie, again, tries to make it more of a romance. Mm-hmm. So they want this sort of, they want to put pretty characters because that's what Hollywood does. God forbid, like, ugly people love each other. Like, okay. Stupid. Anyway. Sam, played by Emma Watson, I thought it was totally unnecessary. I don't think she fits the role. Also, there's a big part in the book where Charlie is describing her as having these big, beautiful green eyes, Mm -hmm. not, you know, big, dumb, brown Hermione eyes, (laughs) which I don't think is like a deal breaker when you come to casting. But I don't understand what Emma Watson brought to the role that any other, you know, awkward teenage girl could have. It, my my perspective on it was that she was definitely not a good fit, and I told you this before. I feel like she spent more time concentrating on getting the accent right, which, FYI, not a single person had an authentic Pittsburgh accent in this movie. One person in the movie called somebody a jagoff, and they couldn't even get that right. Unacceptable. Yeah, but she spent more time concentrating i think on getting the accent right than actually trying to put forth any emotion and anything that she was delivering and i think that she tried to act more mature than a teenager should have yeah 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 i agree i agree patrick was played by ezra miller uh i have no complaints i think he was amazing uh i do as well and i would just like to point out that those three leads you have percy jackson hermione granger and the flash all three super people. Oh, also, but Ezra Miller's also, what's his face in the Fantastic Beasts? Yeah. 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 So. Magic everywhere. They all have a connection. Anyway, Mr. Anderson is played by Paul Rudd. So Bill, the teacher. I, again, I don't think that Paul Rudd can do any wrong. <laughs> so I have no complaints. I love him in anything that he does. Oh, and we have Ant-Man uh, too. I just, and yes, yes. I just don't think it was necessary. I think he, this is what I put in my notes. I think the movie wants us to immediately love Bill without much effort. So who can do that? Paul Rudd. Yeah. Because the minute you see him, you're like, oh, it's great. It's going to be a great teacher. It's amazing. But it doesn't really give the same feel from the book. Like of that genuine teacher really having some insight into this student. Um, It was more like Paul Rudd was a good sounding board and safe place 
for Charlie. He would have been amazing in that role if they had stayed true to the book. And again, mm-hmm. book author was also screenwriter and director. Why did he change him that much? Why? Why? Yeah. He would have done amazing. Hello, Margaret Atwood. Yeah. He would have he would have been amazing as Bill in the book. Because mm-hmm. he can pull off that generally considerate, sincere, caring role model. You know, like he can do that. But they didn't make it. They just made him like the friendly teacher. And I honestly which, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I honestly feel the way that they had him play in the movie. Uh, he might as well have just not been in it at all. Yeah. I think it was just, it was distracting, Mm -hmm. which is basically what the rest of these casting uh, decisions are. The dad is played by Dylan McDermott, who is not a small actor. He is a big actor, but I thought it was totally unnecessary because the dad like did nothing Mm -hmm. in the movie. So you're just like, every time he comes on screen, you're like, Oh look, it's Dylan McDermott. And he does nothing. And you're like, Oh, okay. Bye Dylan. uh, Same thing with the mom, Kate Walsh again, fucking did absolutely nothing. That one was for you, Maggie. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I, I put a note in here where based on how the book describes her, this very sort of like meek, obviously traumatized. She reminds me of like a dog that's been beat and where if you talk too loud or you move a little too quickly, they flinch. Mm-hmm. That's what the mother in the book seems like. And Kate Walsh did not play that character. And I don't think she could. I put a note where I think Amy Adams, only because I'd call to mind the woman in the window and nocturnal animals where she just plays this really beaten down woman slash wife character where I think she could pull it off. Maybe she's a little bit too big for this movie, but something along those lines. Sister, Nina uh, Dobrev, Dobrev, she's the one that's like from Vampire Diaries. Yeah, and that's why I said I kept expecting her to turn into a vampire. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Vampire. I have no issues with her because I feel like she played a pretty good background character. Uh, I also think she could have played what the book had her as. Like if they really introduced those topics, mm-hmm. I think she would have been fine in it. Oh yeah. Um, she is a good high school type actress. Oh, she definitely so has the teen angst down. Definitely. Yeah. I thought she, I had no complaints, but I also thought like, we know who she is now, but the, I mean, maybe we didn't know who she was then. The Vampire Diaries has been around for a while, right? Yeah, but I'm not sure Kinda. if it goes back that far. Oh, maybe because this is 2012, so I figure they were casting and filming this like 2000, end of 2010, 2011. I don't, I don't know. I don't follow that shit. The brother, the brother doesn't even make it to the top cast in IMDb, so I didn't look any further because I don't care. <laughs> but that's what that's what we have to say about the brother, who in the book is a pretty significant role. In the sense where all the other characters, like, are, I I think of them as, like, background noise Mm -hmm. in the book. Where there's no actual interaction with any of the other ones because it's all letters that Charlie is writing. So you're just getting his perception and his point of view. But there's much more family interaction going on in the book than in the movie. So, whatever. The, The brother was a jock. He looked like a jock. So be it. Playing for Penn State. Ugh. All right, let's get into the meat of this, the plot. The book, we see Charlie right away, and we're only getting his perspective because the whole book is just letters that he is writing to this friend. And he makes a weird statement in the beginning, like, 
I don't want you to know who I am, but I know you're a good person because you didn't sleep with that person at the party, right? He says something yeah. like yeah. that. And so you're like, who is this? I know I tried throughout the rest of the book to try and figure out if we could find out who this friend was. I, I They don't announce it. I, I don't know. Well, I think, I think at the end he makes some kind of comment about uh, you're some person who I found randomly in the phone book or something. And No, they have a connection. They know some somebody similar because somebody he knows makes a comment to him about mm-hmm. this other person. He's like, oh, that sounds like a good person. Mm-hmm. And that he did go to school. So I don't know if he knows him directly, but he knows him through another acquaintance. Yeah, That's what it sounds like. Anyway, so the book, you're only getting Charlie's perspective. And the book and the movie, for the most part, start off the same because you're you're getting this interact or this introduction that he is about to start high school so they start the same you get the same thing he's writing this letter I think in the movie it actually is almost verbatim like the first couple sentences of the book and then it trails off because he starts going to school Um, but in the book it's him writing the letter we're going to discuss one of the major departures from the book to the movie I think for for overall generally speaking the movie follows the book in terms of like Charlie's progression through it. There are some differences here and there, but very, very minor, like how they meet Sam at the football uh, game where they make this big introduction, like this almost uh, like you, you expect her to be like throwing her hair back and the wind blowing on her mm-hmm. when it's really not that way. She's just sitting there. Um, so just little things like that, but a big departure in the movie is that they really don't spend any time on his family. And one of the major plot points in the book is that his sister gets an abortion. Mm -hmm. So you're introduced to his sister in the movie. You know that she has this weird ass boyfriend. It's like ponytail Derek or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he's supposed to she's a bully to him, which I think, Girls in high school tend to be with boys. I don't know why, but they're a little aggressive. And he is, everyone thinks he's sort of like a pussy, right? Uh, And she's always egging him on. So you do get this scene where he hits her Mm -hmm. and Charlie sees this. But the thing is, Charlie, like in the movie, he walks in on it. But in the book, like they're all just sitting there together. And this dude, like just... Rose back and just fucking knocks her in the face, right? Yeah. Um, but so from there, in if, the difference from the movie from the book is that it kind of follows the same where he's like, you you can't, like, you shouldn't be with him. And she's like, I can handle it. You saw me egging him on. Like, it's my fault, which is, I, I hated that so much. Um, but then you kind of leave it like that. And then she's just dating him normally throughout the rest of the movie. They're in the background, right? Mm-hmm. but that you don't like there's another not a ton going on with them yeah and another big departure from the book is that in the book they introduce the fact that his friend michael committed suicide at the very mm-hmm. beginning that is the first thing that he's talking about yeah so that's that's two very big things that happen in the movie or happen in the book i should say that they don't allude to quite yet in the movie which I think his friend dying is a big deal 
It is. Like a big, big, especially the fact that he, he shot himself. Mm-hmm. And they wait to announce this in like some sort of... Um, He's at the party and he tells Sam about it. And she yeah, goes up and tells Patrick... And they treat it like this, oh, we need to feel sorry for him, so let's make a big deal and show how much we accept him, when that is not how that friendship starts in the book. They yeah, and it's so genuinely do, too. Yeah, they genuinely do accept him as a person without that even coming into play. Yeah, they didn't need anything to pity him about. Yeah. And I feel like it does a disjustice to Charlie in the movie because you don't really understand everything that it's going with. Of course, there is this underlying thing that he keeps having flashbacks, sort of, and it, it, the movie alludes to. So there's definitely something deeper there. But his friend shooting himself the summer before, like, that is something that they should have introduced a lot sooner. They didn't need fucking Sam to do it. It's just we didn't need Emma Watson involved in that. It was mm-hmm. unnecessary. But the the sister, how they... They let this go, and I feel like it just was so disingenuous to the movie. And I, I'm angry that the director, who is the writer, left this out. And I don't know why. And I have a feeling where they just thought it didn't go with the theme and the the aesthetic of this movie. Where his sister starts, it comes out that her boyfriend did hit her. So obviously her parents are furious, and they forbade her from seeing him anymore but she's dating him in secret which is what a teenage girl will do like i love him so she's seeing him on the side or in secret i should say and there's they're clearly escalate their relationship so now they're full-on having sex uh, well in the book yeah in the book charlie actually walks in on them yeah so you get that it's not graphic by any means so if anyone's listening to this and they're like i don't want my teenager to read it it's it's not graphic it's just it's a very awkward boy walking in on his sister and and describing it in a way where any normal person would be like, "Oh, they're fucking." Uh, but Charlie's like, "What the hell's going on?" This <laughs> Charlie's weird. like, uh, "They were both naked on the couch." Yeah, and you're like, "I know what's happening." And yeah. Charlie's like, "I don't." So they're clearly having sex, and then it comes out that uh, the sister's pregnant, and she tries to tell the boyfriend at the homecoming dance, and there's a big. It, it dramatic fight like not a big blowout but you charlie is watching them and keep in mind we're only getting charlie's perspective throughout the whole book so you're getting a lot of observations from him which i think he makes better observations than offred did in the handmaid's tale yes i'm following them and they're not as delusional even though i'm pretty sure he's schizophrenic but anyway so you're 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 getting this from him and you're you're seeing this play out where they're at the dance. She's trying to tell him something serious. They're upset with each other. She storms off crying and he leaves. And then it takes a couple pages for her to come to terms and tell Charlie. And he's like, well, we got to tell somebody. She's like, no, it's, uh, she makes some sort of statement. Like it's not too late. So you can deduce from that, that she, or infer from that, that she wants to get an abortion. And Charlie takes her, Charlie takes her to get an abortion. He drives her there, um, which is another sort of silly departure from the book where Charlie doesn't drive at all in no. the movie. And they make him seem like he's so much younger. But you realize in the book that he's actually closer to their age than you suspect because he was left back. Yeah, he was he held talks, back for a bit. He sa- yeah, he says he was held back a year. So he's 16 as a freshman. And most freshman like hours are 
turning 15 this year. So yeah. you don't, you don't so get he, to drive until you're in your sophomore year at least. Yeah. So he's 16. He's closer to Sam and Patrick's age and his sister's age. Um, you just, you, in the movie, you feel like he's super young because he's a freshman. Uh, so he drives his sister to get an abortion. And then I guess he, he's not doing too well sitting in the, in the office there. Like he's, there's certain things where I believe that if it's too still, his mind races. Mm-hmm. So he comes out, he sits in the car. And then when his sister comes out, he he stays there with her so she can sleep it off and before they go back home. So she could be somewhat more normal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a pretty big fucking deal. It is. It's a huge that's deal. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Not just for her, but for him too, where, you know, he is essentially taking care of his sister even if he doesn't fully understand it, there is a level there where he's like, you know what? I'm going to start the car so it's warm. I've had my the, I put the pillow and the blanket in there so she can sleep it off. And we could hang out here before he like he he understands it to a point, but that's huge. And to know that he has this connection with his sister, that's a big deal that they leave out from the movie. Which I thought, okay, fine, but that that's huge. I didn't like that they left that out. I felt like it. For a movie like this, where they're touching on just really serious topics, that that should have been in there. He, it plays a big role in his development in the book, I think, and yeah. the fact that they left it out is in the movie. They just make him seem like like we've said a million times already. He's just this awkward kid and stuff like that. But it's it's a huge factor in how their relationship develops in the book between mm-hmm. him and his sister because at the beginning she's like you said, a bully. She and Charlie do not get along. He will say the most innocent thing to her. And then she takes it as if he's verbally attacking her and she just tries to rip him apart. But this Mm -hmm. is one of those things that really, really brings them together because he's the only one that knows that she's gone through this and she needs to rely on him for support. Yeah. And they, they, in the movie, they just have the whole family act as if they're consistently this big support system for him which i mean i'm not saying that they're not but the whole family has problems mm-hmm. like really big problems that also affect charlie and they leave mm-hmm. that out so they're making it seem like he's this well-to-do kid in the suburbs of pittsburgh that had something traumatic happen and he's just weird but there's so many things playing off of it. his family is weird his extended family is weird there's a lot of trauma and and drama there Mm-hmm. Um, his siblings also have a lot of issues that they're dealing with that affect him. His friend died. So there's all the stuff that they're leaving out. And I hate to say it, but I, I, I think that the movie, they're like, oh, well, there's this one thing that happened, which we're going to get to. We just don't want to spoil it just yet. There's this one thing that happened. And this is the only thing that has traumatized him, which is like, no, he was traumatized and then perpetually traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> he never got a fucking break. But in the movie, they're like, no, he's just weird. Yeah. And like you said, in the extended family, like both of his aunts were abused and all this other stuff. And it's just so much is left out. Yeah. And his mother is just a weak, weak character in the book. Not to say she's a weak, like weak minded. She's just she's also been traumatized. There's there's the book is showing you that this family has a systematic history of abuse, addiction, neglect really bad family practices and 
none of it's in the movie. They're like, nah, not important. Which I'm like, it is a super important, but whatever. They're like, maybe in the movie they thought this doesn't appeal to teenagers. But that would be more appealing, especially if you're a teenager that's dealing with this and thinking that nobody else is. And you're sitting in the movie theater watching this going like, oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And they totally missed the mark on that and and did away with that great opportunity. So whatever. Because they were too concerned with Charlie being in love with Emma Watson, which I fucking hated. Anyway, another like noteworthy thing is in the movie, towards the end, we're going to talk about his big breakdown. And then he's in the, in the hospital. And they talk about how he was kind of in the hospital a little bit when he was uh, earlier before the story starts and he makes comments like it's getting bad again but yeah 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 so the book he is actually seeing a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. the entire time which again why would you leave that out of the movie so it's clearly bad enough that his family even though they allude to how they can't afford it does make a point to make sure that he sees it or whatever it happened initially the hospital or the state was like no he needs to like continually see a professional Mm -hmm. so he talks about you know his next appointment his next appointment so he is talking and dealing with a psychiatrist and not just a psychologist a psychiatrist yeah so if anyone out there does not understand the difference a psychologist is your typical therapist counselor shrink a psychiatrist is a medical doctor this is someone who specializes in emotional psychiatric uh, and some physiological <laughs> diseases and disorders that affect the brain. Mm-hmm. So this is how serious it is that he's seeing a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. Um, also, big part, <laughs> this is overarching, not just in the beginning. But Charlie in the book cries all the fucking time. A lot. So and I added, I added that note. I was like, not just crying, full on sobbing, like yeah. epic emotional breakdown sobbing. Like even the fight he has... He's literally like sobbing while he's fighting. Yeah. And they, they don't show that, which, okay. I don't want to say that this was the intent, but I think it adds to the problem we have with boys in our culture about them not crying. We have mm-hmm. this story, which is all about this teenage boy dealing with this trauma and they wouldn't let him cry until almost the very end. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like really crying. He's just tearing up. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that either. As someone, as a mother of a son, not a teenage son, but a son, like it, I saw that it connected with me where it, even in the book, I was like, why is he crying so much? I would say that about a girl too, for the amount that he was crying. It was just excessive. <laughs> but the fact that he, they didn't let him cry at all in the movie. I was like, why, why would you leave that out? It seems unnecessary to leave out. I don't know. It's a pretty big Again, aspect of his character. Yeah. Again, I'm going to put my soapbox away for now. I'll bring it back out in a minute. Don't worry. Let's move on into the middle of the book. Um, so you have like the beginning, Charlie's friends, he meets Sam and Patrick and he finally has friends and they're doing stuff and they're introducing him to drugs and all this great things. And in the movie, it's supposed to be like this romance between him and Sam. It's really not that way. Like he's, he has an infatuation with her an attraction, but there's nothing like overtly, romantic he's just he has a crush on her yeah and it's yeah. whatever that's why we're kind of leaving it out it just the whole romance side it's just unnecessary to the book but in the middle 
now we're in the meat of them being friends. Some stuff happens. There's a whole thing with Mary Elizabeth, which is kind of funny. I think it's also kind of funny in the book too. So I just leave that off to the side as comedic release where they're dating, but not really dating. He kind of just like fell into it where she's just like, <laughs> he, he neglected, he neglected to say, no, I don't want to go out with you. And then he's just like, I don't know what to do. She just won't stop talking. Yeah. Like I uh, here. And she, she's like, I don't want to touch your boobs anymore, but uh, I don't want to say no. But then, but then he has some awareness because after they break up and she starts uh, dating Peter, he overhears her at a party in the book, mm-hmm. not the movie, because this is stuff that she says to his face in the movie. But she's talking to Alice, I think, and saying that, you know, it was just too one-sided and I, I didn't get any kind of like response from him or anything. Yeah, there was no but in the book, yeah. The, the the whole time she's saying that in the movie, I'm thinking about the book that, you know, that's because you wouldn't shut up. Yeah. You just kept talking. Yeah. <laughs> and also, if we're going to talk about this real quick, let's talk about the scene where they're playing Truth or Dare, where it all sort of comes out. Um, it's, yeah. It is very similar to the book. So either one, there's not a, a true departure there. But in the movie, he has this sort of like dream state where they ask him truth. And then how, something like, how is your relationship going? He's like, awful. Like, I hope, I yeah. keep hoping that one of us has cancer. So we're slowly dying. Uh, I So we don't have to break up. That's Yeah, yeah. So we don't have to break up. He's like, please just let this end some way where it's not my fault. I think they put a different character trait on Charlie in that scene than should have been based on his character in the book. That's a little bit too savvy and too socially inept um, or too socially aware to give him that. The Charlie in the book would never have thought to say something like that. Well, in the book, he even says that he decided to only take dares because he didn't want to have to tell the truth. Yeah. He wouldn't have had this like saying in his head, like, oh, I just want someone to have can't like that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But it was funny. I, I, I don't give it any grief. I thought I, I chuckled at it. I was like, it reminded me of the Chris Farley, Adam Sandler skit in SNL mm-hmm. where Chris Farley's reading the Chris Farley plays the wife and Adam Sandler, the husband, Chris Farley's reading the Zagat's guide. Mm-hmm. That's where the Holy can- ravioli, Holy cannoli comes from. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah and Adam Sandler sitting there the whole time saying, give me cancer now, guys. <laughs> Day and night. She talks. <laughs> All right, I'm about to pull out my soapbox again. So everyone get ready. In the this, middle of this, this book. episode is just rife with soap. Yeah, I, I have it here. I have backups just on standby if I break one of them, if I fall through. Okay, there is this whole point in the movie where Sam is trying to get into Penn State. Why in the movie is Mary Elizabeth getting into Harvard, but in the book she wants to go to Berkeley? What is the difference? What was the other movie we just watched where there was a difference... Oh, uh, uh, Devil Wears Prada, where they changed the college that she went to from like Brown to something. It's like, these are all good schools. Yeah. What is the difference? So in the movie, like Harvard, but in the book, they're like, oh, she's getting in the Berkeley. She wants to go to Berkeley and she gets in. Why did they Mm -hmm. change it? Because they didn't change other aspects of her. Like she's a Buddhist and stuff like that. So it makes more sense for Berkeley. Whereas Harvard seems a lot more straight laced and hoity-toity and stuff like that. They made her a vegan, which she's not in the book. Yeah. Which again was like, why? Which I think um, 
in the reviews, remember they're saying they were like one iPhone away from being a regular millennial. I think that's why. Like nobody was being a fucking vegan in 1992. No. No. I don't care what school you're going to. Anyway, let me put that soapbox away for a minute and pull out the other one. So Sam wants to go to Penn State, but she did not do well on her SAT. And Charlie's like, you know, you can take them again. Um, Charlie, what do you fuck do you know about SATs? You're a freshman. But anyway, he, <laughs> he has older siblings, so sure. But the fact that he's like so like like I know everything about SATs and I can help you study. I was like, fuck, you can. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was for you, Maggie. So they <laughs> they continue on with this point where he's helping her study for the SAT so she can get into Penn State. And again, I think they used it as a a medium for them to strengthen this blossom. Grow closer. Yeah, which is like whatever. Which in the movie, I was like, okay, yeah, he's a smart kid. He can help her. And this does play into the whole romance thing. But then we get to the book. She didn't need any fucking help. Yeah, because she wasn't waitlisted like she was in the movie. She got into Penn State. She had Penn State and then her safety school. Yeah, like she was, she was good. She was good. She was fine. Whatever she got in her SAT was enough. She didn't need some man to come in and save the day and help her be smart. Mm-hmm. What? What the fuck? Seriously, I hate it. I hate it. If there's <laughs> anything in this movie. That's going to make me just fucking throw it into the tra- the dumpster fire. It's that. Unnecessary. That and the fact that they did not know who David Bowie was. That too. The two of them together. We're at two strikes. We're about to be three for this movie. She didn't need <laughs> any help. She was good. Yeah. Anyway. I concur. I hate it. Noteworthy, though. Um, <laughs> Charlie is essentially a junkie in the book. Everybody is. Yeah. Drug use is and cigarettes all the time. Oh, they go yeah. to Kings. They go to Kings in the movie and the book. It's uh, Big Boy. Kings is an actual chain in the Pittsburgh area, and it is. They did actually film it in a Kings because that's how it's set up. You have okay. little booths with the little aisles that the waitresses can come out in. Okay. And they branch off from the kitchen, but he talks about them constantly smoking. Which, FYI. My high school time, we went to Denny's, Eaton Park, or King's, and that's what it was. Eating junk food, drinking coffee, and smoking cigarettes. That's it. Until 2 o'clock in the morning, because they were 24-7. Yeah, but I don't think anyone smoked, like, a lot. No. Or at all. Not a single person did. If they were smoking weed, all you saw was the smoke, but you never actually saw somebody take a hit off of anything. Yeah. Which, we are not... As, as parents here of teenagers, as mothers, um, we don't condone drug use at all. And I will actually let you know right now, I've never, never done a drug in my life. And I don't plan to. I mean, maybe when I'm like 70 and totally retired, maybe I'll just like spend a week and just hit everything just to see what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> but so we're not saying like we, and I, I, I don't smoke and I've never smoked, but I will say that we are not condoning this by any means. It's just... It was a huge departure from the book to the movie. The fact that they didn't really show a lot of this in the movie, which again, is disingenuous because it's a big deal. Like this is, <laughs> this is furthering the issues that these kids have. Yeah. And the movie's like, no, no, it's not really that important. Like they <laughs> sugarcoated 
Yeah, they sugarcoated the 1990s Pittsburgh high school experience or any suburban high school experience uh, by trying to appeal to mentalities of that time. Yeah, again, they were one iPhone away from just being millennials in a suburb. Yeah. All right. So we get to the end. (sighs) The big stuff. The big stuff. The big reveal. So get ready to do your shot. In the movie, you kind of figure this out really early on because it's weird. Or maybe maybe because Jackie and I are, are a little bit older, um, this sort of contents and weirdness with the aunt, like we are already like honed in because we're mothers and we're like, what the fuck is this? This is not, this is not mm-hmm. good. I don't like it. Uh, Anytime an adult relative tells a seven-year-old child, it'll be our secret red flag should go up. Yeah, the second she said it, I was like, I don't like this. I don't care who you are. Um, nothing you're doing with my kid is a secret ever. Mm-hmm. So again, maybe we're a bit biased because we are, one, we're adults and two, we are parents. But I can understand maybe as, as a teen watching this, um, maybe you didn't get it or if you're just a bit more naive to it. Uh, so it comes out that his aunt, his mother's sister, who came to live with them because she was dealing with some stuff. I think they allude to in the movie that she tried to kill herself because they show like the scars on her wrists. I don't know if that really happened in the book, but she was, she was doing drugs. Her boyfriend or husband, whoever was really abusive with her. Um, so his family took her in. The kids had nothing bad to say about her. They, they loved her because she was fun, but it comes out that she was molesting. She was molesting him. Not his brother or sister, but just him. Uh, and I guess he had completely suppressed this. Mm-hmm. And because he's not really aware of it until the end when things get a little bit more sexual between him and Sam. So one of the things I think she's like rubbing on his leg or his thigh or his crotch. I think it's a bit more like she puts his hand down his pants in the book. So that just like sets him off. And if you. Yeah, it was a trigger. Yeah, and if you remember when he was kind of fooling around with Mary Elizabeth, he there's always this note saying that everything was above the waist. Yep. Because he even hey, he's like, I don't want to touch your boobs anymore. Which which teenage boy says that? So there's something there. Like I don't want to touch them anymore. So with Sam, it's like the they graduates after prom or whatever, and she's about to leave for college. So he's in her room, and it's getting the it's getting kind of heavy. She puts her hands on his pants in the book, in the movie. She just sort of like is rubbing his thigh. Either way, you get it. Uh, So that sort of sets him off. The big departure, though, is in the movie, she rubs his thigh. He's like, whoa, and tells that stuff is coming back. And he decides to leave right then and there. And he has a massive meltdown. He goes back to the house. He he's like wanders home all discombobulated um, nobody's at the house. He's like looking at kitchen knives. He's remembering uh, his aunt's scars on her wrist. So it kind of leads to the fact like, is he trying to kill himself? He calls his sister and his sister's like, somebody call the cops. I think she's at her friend's pool party or something. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And then it goes to black. Somebody kicks down the door and then he wakes up and he's in a, uh, like a psych court. I think you said Mayview, which is an actual psych- psychiatric hospital in yeah. Pit- in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So he's there, and then the Joan Cusack comes in, and she, you know she talks, and I guess she alludes that he said something in his sleep to the effect that his aunt was molesting him. 
Now, we're not saying that this is not what happens in the book per se. He he does have an episode and he does end up in the psych ward. The thing is, though, in the book, and I don't know why they didn't keep it this way, because for what they were trying to do between him and Sam, wouldn't it have made more sense for her to be a bigger part of it? So he starts freaking out at her place and she's there to essentially like take care of him. Like she's trying to get him through this. Um, and she's totally empathetic and sympathetic to the fact that he's, he's having some sort of episode. Like she realizes this. Yeah. She makes him stay there, puts him to sleep on the couch and checks on him and keeps asking him if he's okay. And is everything okay? And stuff like that. When that does not happen in the movie at all, Emma Watson playing her in the movie. It's just, like, she's totally oblivious because she's totally absorbed in this whole I'm going to Penn State tomorrow mm-hmm. thing. Which, why you would want to go there, I don't know. <laughs> I fuck Penn State. Um, yeah. yeah, that's why I bring this up. I just go, for what they were trying to do in the movie to make this relationship between them, like, why would you leave that part out? Yeah. And then, okay. I don't understand it. Yeah, like, she, it should have been that. Like, she's there to support him and take care of him, but but it's not. So in the book, she is. He leaves in the morning after she leaves. And she's still very aware that there's something wrong. And she's still like, "Do I, should I take you home? What, what do you need from me? He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So he gets home. And I think, again, what's similar is that nobody else is home. He then writes the letter to his friend. And you can tell in the letter, you know, dear friend, he is definitely losing it. He is on that cusp of a, a breakdown. He obviously sends the letter, but from there he sort of blacks out. And what he Mm -hmm. says after from him writing when he's in the psychiatric ward is that his dad or somebody came home and he's just naked on the couch, right? Watching a TV that's not on. Yeah, just naked on the couch, which was also weird. But that kind of, it's weird, but it also seems very fitting with somebody having a complete breakdown. To, to walk mm-hmm. in and find them in that state, you know, not trying to kill themselves or he's just like out of it naked on the couch, which I also wonder is a call. Is that a callback to his aunt abusing him? Because didn't most of it happen? Yeah, it was, it was on Saturday nights when they would watch TV, she would let them stay up to watch Saturday night live and her brother and sister would pass out. Charlie would be the only one that was awake. And that's in the movie. That's when she says it'll be our secret or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah, it's just him and her sitting on the couch because he's a seven-year-old kid getting to stay up late on a Saturday night and watch Saturday Night Live while his parents are out doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's just there to watch him. He trusts her. He's yeah. he's seven. Yeah. Doesn't he look a lot younger in the movie? Yeah, he looks like, like a maybe three or four. four. Or five. Yeah, something like that. He looks a lot younger. Huh? Mm-hmm. Speaking of younger, and this goes back to Sam, she had a pretty rough childhood as well. Um, and that's what it comes to the, she's, they, they kind of allude to the fact that she's a slut. Um, she sleeps around, but in the movie, she, they're talking about first kisses and he's like, Oh, what about, he's like, I've never kissed anyone, blah, blah, blah. blah. He says, well, what about you? And she goes, Oh, my first kiss was when I was 11 mm-hmm. and it was her dad's friend. Yeah. Which still gross, disturbing, absolutely atrocious. But can we just do a call back to the book real quick? Do you remember how old she was in the book? Honestly, I don't. Seven. Yeah. Why'd they change that age? It, it doesn't make it better. So that's why no. I go, why do you change the age? She was seven. Seven or 11, it, it literally makes no difference. It's disgusting. No. 
still a child. Yeah. I Again, these changes that they're making in the movie. Uh, in the beginning of this episode, we say, we ask the question, like, did Hollywood give rapists and pedophiles a, a break in this adaptation? And they, I think they did. It almost seems like they're doing things to make up for them. And the rapist part, there's a whole discussion about an account that Charlie witnessed when he was a child of somebody being raped in his room because his, his brother had a party. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't talk about that in the movie whatsoever. It was like a, a date. No. Rape. They were dating their stay. They lose the fact that they're still boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, but she was drunk and he did, took advantage of her while she's clearly saying no. Like Charlie remembers yeah. that she's saying no, she's saying no, but still, and then the sister walks in and also witnesses and she just calls Charlie a pervert. And he's like, I didn't know what they were doing, but mm-hmm. the rest of us know. So none of this is in the book. I mean, in the movie, I should say. Why? They're like, what's his name? Was Harvey Weinstein? Did he produce this or something? Oh, yeah. What the uh, It would be something interesting to look into. What the fuck? That's ridiculous. Yeah. So we're, we're aging up, uh, child molestation there's uh, and then there uh, it's so i don't like it. it these changes were unnecessary where i go what's the thought process behind changing it in the first place because everyone goes well what's the difference 7-eleven's still wrong no exactly i agree it is still wrong so then why is she saying in the book i was seven and my father's friend molested me but in the movie they're going to make her 11 like making her a couple years older is anything better Ugh, i hate it Okay, I'm going to put my soapbox mm-hmm. away. Putting it away. I <laughs> Again. fucking hate it. Again, also, she didn't need any help with her goddamn SATs. Anyway. <laughs> the, the, and the, in the book, they make such a big deal about how all these teenagers are so into subculture and stuff like that. And they know all these great record stores. How the fuck did they not know who David Bowie was? Yeah. Stupid. And then it wasn't even the David Bowie song in the uh, in the in the book. They never even say what kind of yeah. song, what song it was. And I think yeah. they already knew right away what song it was because he finds yeah. it right away and gives her the yeah. or whatever. He puts it on the mixtape. Yeah. Oh god, those stupid mixtapes. I remember. Those yeah, was good. This was another departure from the book to the movie. The breakup between Sam and Craig played out differently in the mm. book than it did in the movie. In the movie, they're like, oh, it happened at homecoming because he took her back and told her that oh, prom. Uh, he'd been cheating on her the whole time or prom. Yeah. Mm. But in, in the book, it was Peter, his friend. He said, if you don't say something about it, I'm going to say it now because he found out that Craig had been fooling around with a girl the day of prom yeah. and was laughing about it. And Craig kept coming up with those excuses. Well, all these important things, I didn't want to ruin them. I just want her to remember them as being happy times. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's kind of a minor departure. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things as far as the book and the movie are concerned. But still, why? Also, these are college kids or college adults because they are adults and they are um, yeah. dating children. Which yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not bringing my soapbox out for this because you know, seventeen ish, maybe they're eighteen, nineteen, high school. I'm, I'm, I'm. Don't worry, my soapbox is put away. But still, well, with that, why don't we, why don't we talk about our ratings? So, Jackie, okay. go ahead. Okay, for the book. I would honestly give the book a five out of five because I think that it is authentic and it gives a 
good portrayal of what it's like to be a teenager in the 90s in the suburbs of a city. But also maybe because I'm a little bit biased. The movie, however, a 3 out of 10. Before I read the book, I probably would have given the movie maybe an 8, but then I read the book. There are so many significant departures from the book to the movie, and Emma Watson just really kind of ruined it for me after reading the book, because the entire time I was reading the book, having watched the movie before, anytime Charlie was talking or he was writing the letters or you were getting his perspective, I thought of Logan Lerman, honestly. Anytime Patrick was talking, I did think of Ezra Miller. Anytime Sam was involved, did not picture Emma Watson. I don't know what I pictured, but it was not her. I gave the book a four out of five. It's a quick and easy read. It still conveys a lot of emotion. <sighs> Why I wouldn't give it a five out of five? I would probably give it more like a 4.5 out of five, if anything. Five star rating for me is... It, it doesn't contend with any of those books. That's why. <laughs> yeah. The books Fair that are on my five out of five are, are like just epic. And this book is like, it's easy. And I liked it. There's, there's nothing where I was like, no, I like this book. It was a good book. Movie, and this is my completely objective rating. I would give it a six out of 10. And that is because I did watch it. I did watch it first. So I, when I was reading the book, I tried not to put any of those biases on when I originally watched the movie. And the only reason I'm only giving it six out of 10 is because of the casting. And that's not, remember, I never read the book and I watched the movie first this time. So I, I didn't know what they were supposed to be, but whatever it was, Emma Watson was not it. Dude, she ruined this movie for me a little bit. <laughs> okay. Those are our ratings. Now for the finale where we tell you we read, we watched. So you don't have to DNF. And our decision is to read. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at our notes. Jackie and I both agree. Definitely. Read it. Um, not even if you had to read or watch. I'm telling you, just go out and read it. It's such a quick, easy read. Pull it up and just spend the couple hours it is to finish it. You'll get through it real quickly. Yeah. Unless you hate MTV and the New York Or Times. apparently to this other review, homosexuals. And if you... Yeah, are that type of person, then I you don't need to be here with our with our podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know how you know how you were hung up on the perversions uh-huh. with animals. I'm still kind of hung up on the perversions with food. Oh, I didn't even hear that one. Oh, yeah, the, that was before perversions with animals. Probably that story too, because the sandwich bag. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what we're yeah. talking but about, there was, go read the book. There was there was no more food in the sandwich bag. Maybe because it says sandwich, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's definitely not American Pie. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So that's ours for our reviews and our suggestions for the perks of being a wallflower. Definitely read the book; it is a good read. We're continuing on with uh, Jackie's birthday month. So next week, what do we have, Jackie? Mansfield Park. Mansfield Good old Jane Austen. And I will literally be on my soapbox the entire time for that episode. <laughs> but stay, you know, stay tuned next week, Mansfield Park, for the OG who is Jane Austen. Yep, yep. And Mel and I are still besties. Don't or let her fool you. For now, until next week. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye. Bye.